Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It happens every night. Every night. And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. I have not. Summer heat never treats me kind. It leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at another time. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care no why. Getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there Low Budget Live, not so live, from the Low Budget Live Bar and Grill in beautiful southern middle Tennessee. Hope you're all doing well out there, you bunch of low lifers. And this is the podcast for Monday, May the 16th. We halfway through. The month of May, man. The month of May has been uh, has been interesting to say the least around these parts, and I appreciate so many of you low lifers reaching out. Y'all have seen the uh, social media post of all the all the the life milestones that are going on around here, and I've talked about it some on the show. But this past Friday night, my man Charles Chuck Hugh Lorenzo, as 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 we call him around here, Charlie, my uh, oldest oldest uh stepson graduated high school and he is currently at the beach for senior trip we're not okay with it (laughs) it's a weird one man you 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 do your best to raise them and then uh and then they hit 18 years old and then they graduate high school and they automatically around here anyways they just want to run they want to run down to the gulf coast and act like they're adults and it's it's tricky. It's like a rite of passage. You know, you you get in the car, you go down I sixty five from here, and you load up with your buddies, and you don't know uh, crap about crap, and uh, and you and you go live on your own for a week, uh, doing Lord knows what. And uh, and I did it, and I, lo- I know a lot of y'all listening went on your senior trips, and 
And uh, it's it's interesting. Actually, I will say my senior trip was a little different. I went uh, I went bass fishing. <laughs> I went me and uh, two really good friends of mine, Colt Literal, Matt Taylor. We uh, we spent a week at Joe Wheeler State Park. We actually did not go to the beach uh, with all of our friends, and it was a uh, it was a dang good time. Some of my favorite memories from that week. But uh, he's down there. We, he he's with he does have parental supervision, adult supervision. Anyways, good friend of ours. They all rented a big house, so not as many worries as uh, as we probably would have uh, if he had just gone down there like Harper did on her, on her senior trip uh, where there were a bunch of them staying in different condos and it was, it was uh, exactly the nightmare you would expect. So had that uh, going on and been, we've been trying to, it's been a crazy year, man, but this, this month, the last two weeks, you know, Harper graduating college, Charlie graduating. So many of y'all, I know some of y'all reached out to me. I know you're going through this right now and it's crazy. You know, uh, triple threat, Marissa, she was very upset on Friday and, uh, and still is today, a little upset over everything. And, and, uh, and I, I am too, just cause man, I, you look back at pictures and when you're making, you know, we've been making posts and you doing congratulatory things and you're writing notes and, and, um, and, and thinking about everything. And, and man, you look at pictures that just seem like, it seems like they were 20 years ago and they were five years ago. And you look at how much has changed it's uh it's crazy to think about how fast things actually do move and everybody tells you that when you're growing up it's a very cliche thing but time does move fast and if you're listening and you and you've just got like a newborn or you got a kid that's under two years old man I just tell you because um, I spent a lot of time just just running around crazy uh, playing music and, and enjoying life busy with work and things and and I and I consider myself a good dad I've tried to be as involved in my kids' lives but man you know there are things you just missed. And, uh, and as they get older, I think that would be my advice to a, to a new dad, um, and mom, especially just, man, every single thing, the stuff that you think like, oh my God, I'm staying up all night with this kid. He's crying. Uh, the, the little things that they're just little for just a little bit of time, man. So, uh, it's, it's cool. But you, as Marissa and I have been upset, my overwhelming theme to her is like, and, and for me that I keep telling myself is you just have to be proud you just have to be proud that they are who they are and you've done what you can do to get them here and uh charlie's certainly one of those kids man that he's a joy to be around and uh super smart kid quirky funny uh super clever and so just a joy to be around he's 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 you know been in my life for nine years and it's it's been amazing so uh congrats to charles on graduating man um crazy to even think about uh another milestone that's very special to me that happened this weekend that i gotta brag on those duncan boys hudson and Ryder fished their first tournament together uh i've talked about these tournaments it's a little lake uh bass club deal that they have here it's actually the last one they're ever gonna have i've talked about it on here it's it's great like you catch a couple fish you make the the top 20 you get a you get paid up and it's very cool but uh this time you can be a boat captain for juniors and there's a, mostly adults fishing. There are some kids fishing with their folks and things. And, uh, but I captained, I took out the express and I captained the boys and, uh, just sat there for the first time. A lot of you high school captains out there, parents, my hat's off to you. And I'm going to get into that, you know, as, as the years go on, Hudson starts high school next year and he's asking about the high school tournament thing. And so hopefully we're going to be able to compete in some of those, but 
just sit there all day drove me crazy, but I was so proud. They ran the trolling motor. Both of them shared uh, responsibility on it. Hudson ran it for the most part. Ryder's very good at running the trolling motor too, but uh, but Hudson fished hard all day, man. And this lake's crazy because it's an idle-only lake and you don't get to run around, so you fish the whole day. I've talked about it on here, and it's, it's exhausting, really, man, because you just make so many casts, and you get a lot of bites from a lot of little fish, and 12-inch keepers are very hard to come by. They call them two keepers, and they got paid, so... The Duncan boys got their first payday fishing as a Duncan team, and it was uh, it was a very cool day for me. I filmed it. I'm going to post it on YouTube, but it was a very, very, very uh, neat day watching them, watching them cast, watching Ryder cast, watching them pick apart, how they would approach things, you know. Um, it was cool. It was cool, and I tried to just lean back. I didn't suggest a lot of things. I'm just like, you just kind of do what you want to do, and uh, it was very, uh, very proud dad moment to say the least. So uh, thanks to Jeff Truelove as a man that's put these tournaments on for the last couple of years out there at this lake. There are some people that uh, don't want these tournaments to be at this lake anymore from what I'm hearing. So not going to get to do that. And it's been a very special thing for Hudson and I. Riders got to fish a couple and we have some dear friends that fish out there. And it's just been like a real cool bass club feel, but uh, won't be having those anymore. The last one was yesterday. So went out with a bang with Hudson and Ryder fishing it by themselves. Very, very cool deal. All right. I want to say a quick thanks to the sponsors that make all this possible. Startron, kicking ethanol in the teeth, in your chainsaw, in your weed eater, in your lawnmower, but most importantly, in your outboard engine. Ethanol will gum up the works. There's more ethanol out there than ever before. It's like that, it's like that, that monster hides under your bed. It's like that uncle you don't want to talk to at the cookout. Y'all know who it is. Oh, Uncle Lawrence is over there in the corner. You don't want to talk to him. Nobody wants to talk to him. He's just hanging around. He's hanging around, waiting to corner you. Be like, you got a girlfriend? That's what ethanol does. That's what ethanol does to your motor. So little dab will do you. You don't have to shake it, but I like to. 256 gallons is what this bottle will treat right here. This is a... Uh, I think this is the 16 ounce. Yeah, 16 ounce in this 16 ounce bottle, 256 gallons. You can get it everywhere. Tractor Supply, Wally World, the Bass Pro Shops, Auto Parts Stores, OOO O'Reilly, Startron, kicking ethanol in the teeth. I'm bringing you low budget live. All right, Pro Guide batteries, lithiums. Let's talk about lithium batteries. Super, super light. They charge, recharge very fast. And uh, so far, I haven't been able to kill them. I've tried to kill them. You can't kill them. Pro Guide Batteries, you can use code LBL10 to get you 10% off there at Pro Guide Batteries. I'm running a 31 AGM series for my cranking battery and the lithiums for my trolling batteries. LBL10 at ProGuideBatteries.com. Go tell them you a low lifer and get you some new juice. Baitworks.com, new to the show this year, but near and dear to my heart. I love those folks. Put up a new video. Try to do the series of Baitworks Bait of the Week type thing. Uh, Spro Poppin' Frog video this past week. Crazy blowups. Go check it out because it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm putting those together with the folks from Baitworks. But uh, 
they just got a big shipment in on those uh, popping frogs, and it is time. It is time. The boys actually caught a couple on a popping frog yesterday. But uh, I love that frog. It's a, it's a great one. You can use code Duncan-10 at baitworks.com. I see so many of y'all using that code, but be sure to use the code. Be sure to use it. Let them know you're a low lifer. Get you a little bit of a break there. And we've got uh, something very special in the works with Baitworks for, let's say, starting in like July. Okay, so just stay tuned on that. It's it's going to be something for low lifers that I'm very excited about. I'll just leave it at that, and we will make an official announcement probably, maybe even by the next show, uh, waiting on some confirmation on that. But baitworks.com, if they don't have it, they got it on the way. Trust me, it's an impressive operation. I've uh, seen it firsthand. All right, we thank the folks from Baitworks. And last but not least, hang the banner. Express Boats, Hot Springs, Arkansas, the official boat of Low Budget Live and the Traveling Circus, the X-21 Pro, is for sale. It's for sale. Uh, actually going to Express with that bad boy this week to uh, get some little TLC, a couple of TLC things done to it, and then it will be available, I'm going to say around June, but the X-21 Pro with the C-Deck, Power Poles, 250 Yamaha show that pushes that bad boy uh, 96-inch beam. Could not be more impressed with the boat. I say this all the time. It's my favorite bass boat I've ever owned. I I unpacked it yesterday, and I was like, weirdly, it's been an emotional time around here, guys. But every every boat I've ever sold, it's like, damn. You start thinking back back on the memories, and uh, there's just been so many in that thing. And, and, uh, dude, I've been everywhere from the Gulf of Mexico to freaking – upper Michigan on the Great Lakes and the thing and everywhere in between. I've fished tournaments. I, I've had uh, heartbreak in it, you know. I, I've had uh, some success in it and uh, amazing great days with, on the water with family and, and and friends. And so it's always it's always crazy to think, man, I unpacked it really for the last time. And I should be picking up the 2023 Express very soon, and it's going to be a little different, so you want to stay tuned for uh, the details on that, a new model coming out, 21-footer, that's uh, it's got some cool new features, so we're going to get into that very soon, but Express Boats, building excitement since 1966. Okay, changing gears, changing gears, and we've got, uh, man... The, today's show is, uh, it's, it's bittersweet for a lot of reasons, but it's also one that I am very much looking forward to. Very much looking forward to. Uh, I want to say my condolences go out to the family of Ray Scott, 88 years old. We lost Ray, the bass boss, the father of bass fishing this week. He passed away at his house there in Alabama. And I've been, uh, I made a post on Instagram this week. I I had a personal tie to Ray for several years of my life, and and a lot of people don't know that. And I shared that story this week, and uh, it's brought back a lot of of memories and things. And and I wanted to share some things with you folks, and I want to share some thoughts just on on Ray Scott. And we've got a great guest today that's going to share with us as well. And, and who's also a hero of mine and, and someone I'm lucky to call a friend. And Ray Scott, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just, the, the MC was just the MC. He was the guy in the cowboy hat and the vest and the tassels, man. And he had him up there and it was like, he was just larger than life. And I think every 
uh, and this is no shade at anyone, certainly, but I think any MC since then in the sport of bass fishing has, has fell a little short. There are great ones that do a great job. Um, but I think that, like, he was just the epitome of, like, all those early classics. And for, for me, right? And I think the new generation, and so many of y'all listen and understand what I'm saying, I think the new generation of bass fishermen, they never experienced those TNN Saturday mornings, man where he was the host of the television show and he was on stage in those weigh-ins and he was on stage at the classic and and he was lar- he was just larger than life. He was larger than life and he was very much that way in person. In the time that I got to know him and the times I got to spend with Mr. Scott, he was he was that. He was just incredible. And I I've I've got a picture of my brother and I with him at an early Bassmaster Classic in the 90s. I believe it might have been New Orleans. It might have been the one Davey Height won. Met him at the expo and got a picture, and I'm a brace-faced uh, little little punk meeting with Mr. Scott with my Bassmaster hat on. Uh, very cool. But but it, it just got me thinking, you know, and, and, and I've seen so many people make the post this week, and it's made me happy no matter what organization they're a part of. No matter what they do in the sport of bass fishing, whether you're a regular Joe that just likes to tournament fish a Tuesday evening jackpot or you're a seasoned pro or you're a dumb podcast host like myself, it none of it would be possible without Ray Scott. None of this would have ever existed if it wasn't for an insurance salesman from Montgomery, Alabama, Pentlala, Alabama, to be specific. He just dreamed it all up, man, in 1967 in a hotel room in Jackson, Mississippi. Dreamed the whole damn thing up. The whole thing. None of We bicker and complain about all the things in the sport at times. You're with MLF. You're with Bass. They're doing this. They're doing that. This guy, MPFL's over here doing their thing. The Toyota Series, blah, 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 blah Alabama Bass Trail. All of this. One cowboy hat wearing redneck, fast talking redneck from Alabama. All of it, man. Let that sink in. And I and it it just I know that goes without saying, but we owe him and owed him so much, so much. And uh, I've just been thinking a lot about Mr. Scott this week, and. And he's, uh, he was just, he was a hero of mine. He's a hero of so many. And, and none of it's possible without him, man. None of it's possible. So, so uh, you know, rest easy, Mr. Scott. And I wanted to, I wanted to share a, a quick story that makes me smile. And it makes me think about different, you know, earlier times in life. And I wanted to share something with you that I've never really shared. And uh, I, I, might, I might have told this story on one other podcast before, not my own. Uh, I actually think I might have told it on Like Live. But, but in 2001, right after uh, September 11th, I was a freshman in college, University of North Alabama. And uh, actually, I want to pause. I want to back up real quick and say, so I met Ray Scott because um, this is the funny part of the story. So I want to start with this. So I met Ray Scott in probably the summer of – I said like 99, I'd met him at the Classic, but met him personally at not a fanfare event in like the summer of 98, 99, around the, probably 99. 
at Charlie Brewer Slider Company, soft plastics manufacturer, fantastic. Uh, Charlie Brewer invented finesse fishing. Uh, was one of the pioneers of slider fishing. But I, I was fortunate enough to work there almost every year of high school, sophomore to senior year anyways, until I graduated and went to college. But uh, they, they folks were like family to me. Papa Charlie was like a grandfather to me. His son, Chuck, his, his daughter-in-law, Linda, they're great people to me. Growing up, and I got to work in the fishing business as a child. I, I went and knocked on the door and asked them if I could have a job sweeping the floors, doing anything. So, and I got to spend my afternoons, my mom waiting in the parking lot while I just picked Charlie Brewer's brain about everything bass fishing. I got to do that. And I got to hear stories about him and Bill Dance and him and Ray Scott and him and Jimmy Houston and him and so many people, so many people. And Charlie was a hero of mine. And one day in the summer, I pulled up. I worked like three days a week during the summer. And I pulled up and there was a Jaguar. Not a lot of Jaguars in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. There's a Jaguar in the parking lot with Alabama plates. I had no clue. No clue. It was early. Like 7.45 in the morning, 7.30, and we opened at 8. And I got there, and I walked in, and sitting at the damn table, at this table where we packed worms. No cowboy hat, no vest, no tassels, no hat at all. Ray Scott, down at the damn table, and Bob Cobb. And, dude, I'm like 16, and it just, what? And uh, Miss Linda Brewer was there, and she says, Luke, do you know Mr. Ray? And I, of course I do. And I got to spend about a half a day with Ray Scott just sitting there at the table while we did our job. And he was, you know, giving us a hard time and cutting up with with all of us that worked there. And, And there were only about six of us, five of us. In there, and so I met him. I met him that summer, and I, I got to talk to Bob Cobb, and just you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna be doing this for a living one day. I'm gonna be, you're you're gonna see me up there. You're gonna see me in Bassmaster magazine. And I told him this, man. I was very, you know, I've never been bashful, and I told him that. And so, uh, anyways, fast forward 2001. I'm in college, and uh, I go fishing on October 26th in a little small Triton aluminum boat, and the weather was horrible. My dad tried to talk me out of going, and I'll give you the, the short version of this. But I saved a man's life that day. I was the only one on the water, and uh, I saved a man named Robert Justice. was able to, uh, my boat almost sank, my bilge pump busted, and I got there. Mr. Justice's best friend had passed away. He had drowned, and I was able to save Mr. Justice, and I got him in and uh, got him back safe. And it's a lot longer story than that. And maybe one of these days I'll, I'll tell the whole thing on here, do a video on it or something. It's It's been 20 years now, over 20 years, 21 this year. And uh, it's, you know, it was a crazy day. It changed my life forever. And a lot of things happened. I, I got a lot of uh, awards. I got a, a silver life-saving medal from the United States Coast Guard. They did a ceremony at the University of North Alabama for me. I got... You name it, police departments and 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 the city of Lawrenceburg here where I live, certificate of valor, just things that you know. But for me, now I didn't. I mean, you don't save people like it's just in the moment you just do it, right? But for me, about a month after that, I was in the bed in my apartment in Florence, Alabama, and the phone rang, house phone, and I answered it, and and a man says. This is Ray Scott and Bob Cobb. It's Luke Duncan there. And I said, yeah, right. Click, hung up. <laughs> I swear. 
Immediately phone rings again. Luke, this is Ray Scott and Bob Cobb. They had called my mother, got my phone number, and he had read that I saved a guy and uh, saved Mr. Justice's life, and he wanted to meet me. Ray Scott wanted to meet me. He called me a hero on the phone. He wanted to meet me. And he drove up there that day, and he wanted to go out on the water and see the scene of the crime where everything had happened. And, and I took him out, my Triton Aluminum boat. I had Ray Scott in my bass boat at 19 years old. And he had a photographer, and there's an article online. You can find it. Unlikely bass fishing heroes, what he wrote, Mr. Scott. He had a photographer with him on the dock taking pictures, he and I. He was associated with Triton boats, and but he had the cowboy hat and the tassels the whole nine. And I'm skipping a jig up by his uh, photographer, and I got a bite, and I missed it. And he said, no way. He said, young man, if you catch a bass, I'm going to hand you a $100 bill. He said, if you catch one under his feet, and it's not a crowded boat ramp, I'll skip back up there, and I catch about a two-pounder. He whips out $100, hands it to me, and he says, son, you're going to go a long ways in this deal. And uh, it was amazing, amazing moment I'll never forget. And several things happened after that, but every time I would see Mr. Scott for years and 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 years, he would say, there goes my hero. He'd be signing a line autographs mile long at the Bassmaster Classic. And he goes, my hero, ladies and gentlemen, it's my hero, Luke Duncan. He introduced me to so many people from Bassmaster. They did articles. Tim Tucker wrote an article about me in Bassmaster Magazine, Bass Times, and really... With that, I started fishing the Bassmaster Opens the next year. Uh, I was actually 18 when this happened, by the way. 18, not 19. I was 19 the next year fishing the Opens. But they got me a spot in the Opens. I was in the Triton Boats catalog. Lots of things happened to me. And that moment in my life, I would not be sitting here today in front of you. I would not be at TH Marine. I would not have fished the FLW Tour. I would not be the Luke Duncan I am had I not met Ray Scott. So, amazing. Amazing. And um, I made a post about that this week, but I wanted to, I wanted to tell that because I, a lot of people don't know a lot about my story. And but But Ray Scott, there's a chunk of my life that he was very involved in. And he was an inspiration to me, and he was very motivational to me. And I would not have been really the person that I am had I not met Ray Scott. And, it, and it's crazy. I think about the success I've been able to have. I, I think about my family. I think where I'm at in life. And, um, and I don't think about it enough. I think all of us take for granted things like this, and it takes takes someone passing or you know we do it with with musicians even right like oh you're so and so your your favorite musician and you go back to that song you're like oh my god that song i didn't listen to that song enough you know what i mean so whether it's someone in your life that you love that passes away but but ray scott ray scott was my hero and he called me his hero (laughs) it's amazing man it's amazing, but but I want to share one more quick thing before we get to our guest today. So, this letter, November thirteenth, two thousand one, is postmarked right there. You can't see it on the camera, I'm sure that well, but showed up at my house, at my folks' house, and in the return, right here, just says George Bush, <laughs> George Bush, and inside of this, I don't. I, I keep this on my desk daily. I've never made a post about this. I've never shared it. It says, George Bush, November 12th, 2001. Dear Luke, 
My friend Ray Scott shared with me the story of your heroic rescue of a fellow fisherman from the Tennessee River, and I wanted to add my personal congratulations and a hearty well done. Your display of character is a prime example of the neighbor-helping-neighbor spirit for which Americans are known and admired. Your selfless deed saved a life, and Barbara and I salute you for caring and your courage. God bless you. Sincerely, and hand-signed, George H. Bush. (laughs) I'm a dumb redneck from Tennessee. I'm lucky to uh, have met a lot of the people that I've met in this whole world, and uh, Ray Scott told a former president about me. God bless you, Mr. Scott. And, uh, and now we are going to get to talk to another hero about, about Ray Scott, about life, uh, about a lot of things. This man has been in the sport of bass fishing for 57 years as a professional. He is someone that I admire. I look up to. I read his books as a child. Uh, growing up, my parents would give them to me as gifts. I watched his television show like so, so, so many of you, but I got to know him very well when I was on the FLW tour, and he is someone I'm proud to call a buddy. He's an amazing human being. He's one of the hardest working people. He's an example of work ethic, and that if you dream big and you chase it, you can do it. He is my friend, and we're going to get him on the phone right now. It's later in the day and the sun's getting low. I caught me a big one and I got to let him go. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Houston. See if we can get him. He stays busy. I told him I was. Hello. Jimmy Houston, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Luke. I'm doing good. I had to get off the phone now. I was talking to a guy who told me he used to be president of the United States. His name's Donald Trump. I met him up there hey, one time. Hang on, nice guy, hang on nice a second. Hang on a second. Time out. Wait. Wait. Okay, so real quick story. I was telling my Ray Scott stories. Ray, I got to know Ray uh, over some things that happened in life. I saved a man's life on the Tennessee River back in the early 2000s, and I got to know Ray through that. And I had just, right before I called you, I read a letter from George H. Bush that got written to me as a a 19-year-old man that in the letter he says, my dear friend Ray Scott told me about your heroic act. And so I got a letter from a president, but you're going to tell me that one of my heroes that I'm glad to call my buddy Jimmy Houston just hung up on Donald Trump to do low-budget live? Hey, man, your buddy, your buddy. (laughs) You know, friends friends come first. Yeah. What just happened? (laughs) Hey, he probably just want a little donation anyway, you know, it calls every now and then. He gets, you know, he's just running a little short on cash. You think you think you think Trump was he was needing a little help. He's probably trying to get in that lake of yours out there. Well, he might be trying to do that, but I'm telling you, that uh, might, might take a little that might take some pretty heavy credentials. You think so? And, and yeah, uh, yeah, you would yeah. need Secret Service to keep him from sneaking back in. In in that in that's the truth. <laughs> Well, how, how the heck are you, buddy, besides just talking to presidents and then talking to me? <laughs> You've had a I've lot of experience. Good. I've been doing good. I haven't been able to get to fish too awful much. I did fish uh, Thursday this past week. We went and fished a couple different lakes, caught a bunch of crappie in one of them and a bunch of okay. bass in the other one. Small bass, I might add, but uh, <laughs> you know, I might have I had one that hit three pounds. I'm not real sure. 
But you but, don't uh, you don't discriminate though. You genuinely love catching fish, no matter what size and and what's going on though. I don't even care what kind they are. You know, <laughs> That's like right. I, I like them all. Yeah. It's it's kind of like looking at a pretty girl. If she's short or tall, it don't make any difference. <laughs> I love Except it. Except in those bass, in those bass, we have a tendency to like those big fat ones. We Why do. is that, Luke? We, Can you tell me? I don't. I don't know, buddy. I and and you like to kiss them. You like to kiss I the do. big fat ones. I do for sure. I do. You know, I, I tell you what. I, I I stuck a picture up on our, our Jimmy Houston Outdoors Facebook uh, yesterday. Of the darndest kiss I've ever seen. Uh, you need to look at that. I mean, it's a big old bass about. 10 pounds, and he's almost, the guy was trying to kiss him, and the bass grabbed a hold of his face. Come on, I missed that. I got to go back and look. It's the darndest picture I've ever seen, and I like to never got that bass unstuck from that guy. Seriously? And uh, the guy said he's going to quit fishing. <laughs> <laughs> he said this is yeah, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, when you see the picture, it's, it's out of sight. I, it I really thought, is. I, okay, crazy. I got to look at it. I thought I, I, I missed that one somehow. I'll follow you on there for sure. Uh, I just stuck it up there yesterday. Okay. It's a pretty cool picture. Okay, that's, that's amazing. Well, I got to... Uh, that that story is incredible. I got to ask you about another quick story. So my parents, when I was growing up, and, and I, I got to thinking about this with Mr. Scott. I read his book when I was in school, and I got to meet him and so many of my bass fishing heroes. And I got a picture of me and you when I was probably 14 or 15 down at Pickwick oh Lake. Yeah, I got, I got that. But my parents, uh, my, my son, one of my kids just graduated high school this weekend, and I always give them books and, and write notes in them for their life, you know, life moments and things yeah. but my parents would do the same and and two of the books i got were jimmy houston books when i was a kid well i'll be that's pretty cool it's Luke. very I appreciate ve- very cool your but parents your parents were smart <laughs> they were and they contributed to your amazing lake i'm sure with the with the your book sales <laughs> like so many people did but the the there was a story in one of these books and I forget which which of the two books that i read had this story but this story i swear jimmy I never go fishing a day, honestly, that I don't think about this story. And it was the really? turtle story. Do you remember that? The turtle what, what story. story was it? So it was a turtle. You had, and I forget who you had in the boat, but it was like a celebrity pro-am tournament. And whoever it was, you guys were throwing spooks. And, and you thought a turtle had swirled. And whoever it was, it might have been... I mean, like Barry Switzer or something at the time. Uh, yeah. And and he said, Jimmy, there was a big bass. And you said, oh, it was a turtle. And he I'd threw his the sp- turtle's head yeah. right there in that spot. Yes. And he throws yeah. in there and catches like an eight-pounder. And I yeah. never see a turtle that I don't think about that story. Because, honestly, because yeah, I thought. Yeah, you know, that, that actually it actually happened in a, in a BASS uh, okay. tournament. And it, it's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, and I didn't know at that time, but it was one of the tips that I put in that particular yes. book. And, uh, and, and was that, you know, turtles, wherever you see them, they're already always around some underwater structure of some sort. Okay. Because they live a lot of their lives underwater. Yeah. And, and there was, a, obviously, that turtle was under some structure that I could not see. And we <laughs> didn't have locators in those days that we could look down under the water and see brush. And, and, uh, and he threw it what he thought was a swirl of a bass, which is actually a swirl of that turtle, and, uh, and and caught that big fish. So, you know, yeah, I tell you, I throw it everywhere I see a turtle. I definitely throw around them nowadays. Of course, now we can swing our scope over there and take a look at I was going to say, but, you're shining uh, yeah, around it's, now. It's kind of a crazy, painful way to learn. But, you know, one of the – you talk about George H. Bush and Ray Scott and going back to some of the early days of fishing. Uh, we learn mostly by just being on the water, and that's, that's the kind right. of uh, lessons – 
that we learn that you never forget those type lessons. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I reached out to you this week. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, but I was reading a story, uh, and I kind of pick guests for the show like that. They just pop up and different things, whatever's going on. And Mr. Scott passed. I was reading an article and it had some quotes from you in it about those early days. And I was like, man, I got to reach out to Jimmy, uh, talk about YouTube, talk about everything he's got going on. But I want to hear you. But in this article, you said your dad, Mr. Scott, came to visit your dad. Yeah. And he was one of the first members of BASS? Well, we, yeah, I don't know exactly. We don't didn't ever know what number he might have been, but you know, Ray Scott and Don Butler, who was a good friend of mm-hmm. mine from Tulsa, that owned Oki Bug, and uh, and uh, and and Don brought my brought Ray Scott down to my my dad's uh, resort on Lake Tenkiller. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad bought that resort when I was a senior in high school, and of course, we moved from Oklahoma City to the lake, and uh, that obviously changed my life, but without a doubt, by moving down and living on a lake, but. Um, but we met uh, we, uh, we met Ray Scott, and I was just a kid at that time, and, and it was in uh, before the 1967 tournament, the first tournament mm-hmm. they had at Beaver Lake. And I don't know if it was the year before that. And I, was, I graduated from college in 1966, so I would have been 22 years old or so when, when he was there. And I don't know if it was 65, 66, but uh, Don Butler brought Ray down there, and, and he was telling my dad about this great new organization he was going to start bass fishing organization he's going to have a magazine he's going to put on bass fishing tournaments and of course there, there were already fishing tournaments at that time the world series of sports fishing which uh, i actually fished that that, that year okay fact, in 1966 i qualified by winning the oklahoma state championship so and we'd been fishing project sports tournaments for three or four years and so there were other tournament organizations but Ray was going to start this great tournament organization, and uh, and he was going to sell memberships in 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 bass. And I don't know that he even called it bass at that time. I guess maybe he did, but uh, but anyway, my dad said, "How much are those memberships?" and and he said, "They're ten dollars a year." And I don't know if he even had a rate set, but uh, if you do Ray very well, and I know you did, uh, <laughs> you know he was not going to pass up a ten dollar bill. No. <laughs> and uh, my dad said, "Well, I'll just join that organization." And I remember he hit a button on the cash register, and those cash registers those days you had to pull a crank down, dead bells went off, and a drawer flew open. He reached in there and got a ten dollar bill out of that cash register, and gave it to Ray Scott. And he said, "You signed me up for that that bass organization." And uh, <laughs> And they tried to get me to fish that tournament because I was fishing tournaments. I was a current Oklahoma State champion at that time. and and uh, But I didn't have the $125 entry fee, and so I did not get to fish beaver. It's something I've regretted uh, all of my fishing career that I did not get to fish that first tournament. I would have liked to have been among that crowd. I knew a lot of the guys that did fish it. and uh, but, uh, but I did get to fish the next tournament. Either the second or third tournament, they had one on Smith Lake, Alabama, and one at Eufaula, mm-hmm. Lake Alabama. And I don't know which was second and which was third, but I fished the Eufaula, Alabama tournament. So uh, I did get to fish. That was 68. That and was you caught him in that year. one, too. That's where I met uh, Forrest and Nina Woods. So it was a, a remarkable thing to meet Ray Scott before there actually was a BASS. And, and my dad uh, spent $10 for a, a membership. <laughs> and I, I think maybe, uh, you know, I went over a million dollars in bass fishing so i think my dad had a, made a good investment there i think i think he did <laughs> i i think he did for to say the very least i mean yeah. 57 years in this sport uh if my math's right somewhere around there 50 50 whatever would you say 68 I, tur- I fished tournaments for 54 years 54 I actually fished years. tournaments for 54 years and uh 
uh, lap 219 was the last yep. year I fished tournaments, and I, I quit because they changed the rules where Chris couldn't uh, right. practice with me anymore, right. and I just didn't feel like it'd be any fun to spend three days practice fishing by myself, and so so I decided to quit, and fortunately, I had a good year in 219, so it was a pretty good year to hang it up on. Really. No, yeah, just to and, uh, go out. Yeah. Go out on a high note. You know, I, I've told people this behind the scenes. What used to blow my mind fishing the tour with you is is talking to you just about your travel schedule. And you would show up sometimes on no practice. Sometimes right. you would show up and get one day, a half a day. Sometimes you'd get all three days. But it was, it was rare because you were jet-setting around, doing appearances, going and filming. And, and, and it was just... That has always when I I think when I realized that 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 that's how your life was, I was taken back by it because I don't think people realize a quote dream life how much work actually goes into it right because I I know you well, you think you're living the dream and you know you are your life you're a very blessed man it's incredible but you put in the hours. Well, there, there, you know, fishing for a living is a hard way to make a living. There's no doubt about that. It's a, an enjoyable way, and I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do it. And uh, but you know, when we started fishing tournaments, they were we were not professional fishermen. There was no such thing. There was not that terminology around. And at some point in time along the way, they started calling us professional fishermen. I don't even know when that started, but uh, but the tournaments to me were always just a lot of fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. you've been with me at many, many tournaments and how much fun I had and what how I enjoyed the people, enjoy the competition, enjoy the fishing and everything that's involved in tournaments. But they were never really a, a way to make a living, you know. And, uh, you know, that first BASS tournament that I fished uh, in 1968 in Eufaula, Alabama, you know, I finished sixth place in that tournament, mm-hmm. sixth place. I, I led the tournament the first day with uh, – over 50 pounds of bass on a, a 15 fish limit. I only had 11, but I had 52 pounds and something. But but I ended up sixth place in that tournament. I won $325. <laughs> I think the winner might have got $1,000 in that wow. tournament. It might have been two, but I think maybe it was 1000 And, you know, many of the classics we fished in the early days, if you didn't win, you didn't get anything. And I think the classic started out at $30,000 to win. But second place got nothing for many years. And then at some point in time, they started, uh, you know, giving us money just for if we made the classic and even if we finished in last place. Uh, which I don't think I ever finished last, but I finished pretty close a couple of times, I believe. <laughs> but uh, but we got paid for for last, you know, even just just by being there. And of course, now it's uh, ten or fifteen thousand dollars just to qualify for the year end. Yeah, they just hand you a check, like it should be. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. But uh, but we were fishing for the love of fishing and the love of tournaments and uh, and the love of each other, really. And, yeah, uh, the camaraderie. As I look, yeah, as I look back on the things that Ray Scott accomplished and the, the changes in people's lives, uh, many of those people, great friends of mine, that their lives were totally changed because of Ray Scott's dream. I think that probably the, his biggest uh, contribution to mankind is just the, the many, literally thousands of friendships that he created mm-hmm. among people because of a little green fish and because of, you know, weighing them in in a tournament. And, uh, and it, it, some of the best friends I have, as a matter of fact, in the whole world are people that I would never have met had Ray Scott not been chasing a dream that, that he accomplished. Uh, unbelievable to think about. That, it's just it's so crazy. And you talk about those early classics. I mean, you, you got to go to the, hey, 
I'm Ray Scott, get on this airplane classics, right? You yeah, got to that do that. Like, well, I wish they still did it that way. <laughs> yeah, oh, it'd be great. But I mean, but what's the emotion I've like? Picture, I've got a picture that somebody sent me a few years ago or here a while back, and I, I remember when it happened. But they, we used to, they used to give us a tackle box, and we were allowed to put 10 pounds yeah. of fishing tackle in that. We carry more than 10 pounds of spinnerbaits now. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, uh, uh, they would weigh those tackle boxes, and and if they were overweight, Ray Scott would open the tackle box up on the weigh-in scales and, uh, and, and get out the lures. And, of course, he would be looking for things like big O's and things that cost a lot of money back in those days, <laughs> uh, inexpensive compared to today's lures. But, yeah. uh, uh, and, and, and somebody at one time slipped a brick, a, a red brick, in my tackle box. What? And they put it on the scales, and everybody was gathering around, and it was like several pounds overweight and i said it's impossible it's impossible and ray scott opens up a drawer and started emptying that drawer out i said wait a minute it's not the way that i've been and there's somebody sent me a picture of that and as i look back on that picture ricky green was standing there and <laughs> tommy martin and ricky clun and paul chambly and some of the real greats in bass fishing that uh, were just having a ball laughing as ray scott was taking my very best lures out and they finally opened the big drawer on the bottom and <laughs> and found that brick in there. But I was like, whatever a brick weighs, a couple, two or three pounds overweight. Now, that's a lot of quarter-ounce jigs and spinnerbaits and half-ounce crankbaits and Zara spooks and things like that, I'm telling you. That's amazing. I've never heard that prank, story. Though. It was a great prank. Oh, I was going to say, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty solid one. That was a pretty solid group of guys pulling it on you, too. Some, yeah, some, that's some probably Ricky Green that might have done that. You know, uh, Ricky Green, a great tournament fisherman yes. and uh, a, a great friend. I, I, I actually... Spoke at his funeral and carried him to the grave. He yep. was just a just very, very close. I, I got to meet him. Qualified for the first 13 Bassmaster Classics. You know, and people didn't realize Johnny Morris, the Bass Pro Shop yes. founder, qualified for the first five Bassmaster Classics. That's pretty pretty amazing when you think about that. Nobody really thinks of Johnny Morris as a tournament fisherman, but not only was he a tournament fisherman, he was a very good one at that, too. And, it, you know, when you say that about Johnny, it, it is crazy. He's still... Uh, I'll call him even a closet pro fishing fan. You know what I mean? Like he loves, yeah, he loves it. it. Like he, he loves, loves it. He loves. He loves, yes. he, he loves tournament fishing. He, he loves them to, he today does. just as much as he did back when he started in in the early days of BASS. He Jimmy, sure does. I I know that you've had so many accomplishments in life and and, and an amazing life with with Chris and your kids and your grandkids and so many things. But do you ever just sit back? And and you look around at what because we're talking about Ray Scott, but but buddy, you have been such a pioneer in this industry and in so many things and in the ways of TV, and and with but the people you're saying Johnny Morris and Klein and and you and Dance and Roland Martin, do you ever just stop because you go all the time? But do you ever just go? This has been a this is this has been pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, to be just, well, to, to see it, where it's it at has. now. It, it has. And, and, you know, you, uh, you, we talk about and the, the, the way that people talk about now, they call it living the dream. And yeah. it certainly is. And, and we got to do that. And, and the amazing thing about tournament fishermen now is they, they come out, they fish in high school, they fish in college, they come out and they aim for a tournament career and they, they try to qualify to fish the, the, the tournament at the very top level. And, and the, it, which is a very difficult thing when you think, about it yes. because 
you know, you only got you got a couple of organizations out there at the top level now, and you only got a, a hundred people or so that play in each. So mm-hmm. to make it to the big leagues in fishing, you know, you only you got to be in the, the top couple two or three hundred people in the country, and uh, and so. But but you know, as you look back and you talk about fishing with people like George W. Bush and <laughs> and going to the White House and and standing talking to President Trump yeah. about a ranger boat, and and you look at uh, at, at all kinds of professional athletes and actors and singers and and all kinds of big celebrities that you've got to meet because of fishing and 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 all kinds of just regular people that are just uh, outstanding because they love to fish that you've had an opportunity to meet and be be a part of their lives and they're a part of your lives as well and uh, it's, it's it's pretty amazing it really is and and uh, and, and it also started because of one man's dream really <laughs> and it, it created dreams for literally you know, basically to begin with, maybe a few hundred people, but literally tens of thousands of people. How many high school fishermen do you think there are oh, out there right man. now fishing high school bass tournaments on the weekend that are, are they dream of being Roland Martin? They dream of being Hank Parker. They dream of being uh, Bill Dance and on and on and on. They, they dream of being Ricky Clun or Kevin Van Dam. Mm-hmm. I mean, just name name after name after name after name. And, and, and some of them will be. Some of them will be, and, and, and even better. And these guys are just so uh, they're 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 like, and I know know you well, and just like you and me, we just love to go out there and, and catch fish. Yes. And when we're having fish, we're having fun. And yet, because of the way that sport is transformed from when Ray started it way back there in the '60s, um, these kids have the the opportunity to look at that and say, "Man, one of these days, I I want to be that. I want to be them." And and many of them will be. And I think we're in such an interesting time, too, where the the tournament fish, like you said, there's only a couple hundred spots at the very top of the sport for people to be able to, quote, make a living or be a, quote, professional. But what you've been able to do with television, and you were one of the, the pioneers, and I keep using that word, but you were in, in outdoor television, whether it be hunting or fishing, you were one of the first, and you've been on different networks, and you've been around the world and back filming that. But now a kid that loves to fish – can not only fish tournaments, but he can do the YouTube thing. Social media has created an entire world that we never saw coming that you can feed your family with a rod and reel without ever cashing a check in a tournament. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. And many do, and, and, and many of them are making a lot more money than the tournament guys. Of course. Are <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. I've, got, I've got friends that are making uh, an awful lot of money in, in social media, and uh, we don't know where all that will, will go in the future, right. but it will probably uh, simply get, get better as time goes on. And uh, it's just, and, and it's really kind of crazy uh, the way things happen in that business and uh but but yeah social media guys i've got a friend of mine that lives right here five miles away from me that uh it makes um uh you know a several hundred thousand dollar a year income that was uh, an oklahoma highway patrolman <laughs> and uh started a, a little youtube channel and for six years he was simply having fun on youtube and then he started getting paid for it, and as time went on, now he's got seven hundred thousand people on YouTube and a, another half a million or so on Facebook, and making <laughs> as much money in a in a month as he made in a in a whole year as an Oklahoma Highway Patrolman. Plus, he doesn't have to worry about getting shot at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, so uh, it's you know it, it's uh, it's amazing, and uh, uh, and and I think that as time goes by, there'll be there'll be other opportunities and things come along, and you know we live in a country where things like that happen and um 
you know, probably no other country in the world could somebody like me and somebody like a lot of the names that we've mentioned, somebody like you, Luke, uh, make a living uh, tournament fishing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the things that are involved around tournament fishing. Uh, you know, you talked about the personal appearances. You know, at one time I was doing 130 personal appearances <laughs> a year and, uh, and being paid you know, really good money for doing them. And, and, and I, now I only do about 60 a year, but, uh, but it, it's, it's amazing, uh, what all has developed because again, Ray Scott's dream and, mm-hmm. and Ray Scott's dream really wasn't for Jimmy Houston to, 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 to do 130 appearances and make a good amount of money every day doing those. It wasn't for Johnny Morris to start, um, you know, a, a chain of, of fishing and hunting stores, and be, become, you know, like, like what he's become. It, it wasn't for, for Bill Dan. It wasn't, it wasn't for any of that. It was just like he had a dream to start a tournament organization and, and fish tournaments and, and, uh, and, and chase that little green fish and, and sell memberships in a magazine. And, but, um, but God works in a lot of mysterious ways and, and has done so for a lot of people. And it's just, it, it is something when you look back on it and you just sort of pinch yourself and say, wow, look what happened. Uh, it, it is, man. It's it. Well, and I do the same. And I'm not. Uh, I'll never be Jimmy Houston caliber. I'll never. But I, I, you, you mentioned. You said the thousands of friendships. I think that I haven't even really this week that hasn't hit me. But knowing guys like you who are my heroes, and and like and Rick Cluns and Larry Nixons and Tommy Martins, who who I grew up watching, and and having the opportunity that I've had in this life. In this fishing industry, man, it's it is it is a for me every single day. It's a it's a pinch myself moment, and and buddy, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and sharing with us. And uh, it's 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 an honor, buddy. Well, I appreciate it, Luke. I appreciate it a whole lot. Appreciate you, and I appreciate what fishing is means to this country. And I, and when we we got to realize that probably this could not have happened in in Canada or Mexico or Turkey or Russia or anywhere else in the world other than the United States of America. Right. And uh, we're really blessed to uh, just blessed to have been born here and lived here all of our life. And, and uh, it's changing and uh, it's drastic, but as long as, uh, as long as God keeps blessing America, it's going to, it's going to continue on as a great, great place to live. Amen, buddy. Well, I, 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 dude, I can't thank you enough, man. And we got, I've got to make the pilgrimage to the ranch one of these days. I've talked about it for years. We got to do it. We got to go film a YouTube. It's always good. I know. Got to film a YouTube. And even even better than that, the catching is always good. (laughs) I need that in life. I need some. Fishing's always good about everywhere, but sometimes the catching's a little bit more difficult. I I need more. The catching is always good here. We make sure of that. (laughs) I need catching. That's what I need. I need catching. That's right. We all do that. We all do that. It makes the game a lot more fun. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you, Jimmy. Tell Miss Chris I said hello, and uh, thanks for sharing your Sunday afternoon with us. I appreciate it, Luke. Have a good one. Whack them out there and give them a kiss for me. I will, buddy. Thank you, Jimmy. Take care, pal. Bye. Jimmy freaking Houston, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I got. That's all I got. That uh, that man is special. That was uh, that was something. Uh, it's rare that I'm speechless, but so many so many things said there by by a bass fishing legend on this uh, silly. Uh, goofy show that I do here from my low budget live bar and grill. Thanks to each and every one of you for for listening, for watching, for keeping up with all the craziness. And uh, God bless Jimmy Houston. 
God bless Ray Scott. I'm going to take you out with some Bluxy Blues. Be sure to hug your mama. We'll see y'all next week. I never could make it last. Spanish boss or Civil War ghost. Well, I'm going to leave them in the past. Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine. It don't matter east or west. North, south, wherever the wind blows. I'm leaving those burdens at rest. This highway, it does not know my name. And I don't care, no. and a spare Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there